Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsko. Well, gentlemen, uh, we take a little break from our summer previews. Um, thanks to everyone who's been jumping on uh, to, to listen to us so far. Uh, got some really good ones down. Got a, some really good ones left to come. But uh, before we turn our attention back to the summer previews, uh, this past week was uh, Big Ten Media Days. And, you know, I, I think it's probably worth kind of taking a step back and, and going over some of the big news and notes Bef- to come out of Wait, before... Bef- before we turn our attention, I've I've got to stare down at my iPhone a little bit longer. Oh, sorry, Fitz. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let, I I have I have thoughts. Let's 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 go ahead and just jump right into that. I mean, that, that's kind of one of the biggest, um, you know, kind of national buzz uh, stories that came out of Big Ten Media Days, and that was you know Fitz talking about uh, the decline in attendance and how you know that. What what he said it's like due to people just looking at their phones all the time. I well and then and then he and then he went on a millennial rant. Okay, f- where fine. he compl- he complained about millennials um, not enjoying experience like experiences uh, like just looking at their phones or recording it so they could put it on social media and and had the uh, what I thought was a pretty funny uh, albeit also anti millennial rant about some other table that he was nearby at dinner when all four parties of this double date were on their phones. And it was, I'll be honest, it was very predictably fits. I mean, if you, if you line this up against the RPOs, our communism comment from last year, this is the less crazy of the two perspectives. Um, but it's also categorically false. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's put it this way. Maybe it's because recent things we've recorded are fresh in my mind, but, um, I, I won't be surprised if our play calling against UNLV is very rotary phone. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that there can be there can be a a downside to not being on the 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 cresting wave of wherever uh, wherever society's at at any given time. But uh, you know, it's there. There is some. There is certainly some truth to it. And of course, like he's echoing what a lot of other people. Have certainly said, but uh, to say there to say there was no small amount of get off my lawn in the comments would would not be doing them justice. Yeah, it was it was a very get off my lawn moment, and I do I I, I got into some some good discussion on Twitter with with a number of folks who I know are, are listeners of our show. Um, but like the the general premise is that, and and some of what Fitz's comments were, you know, people are looking at their phones, they're distracted that he, he talked about he talked about people having 12 TVs at home as well and not wanting to come to the game and at, at the end of the day like people are making choices on the entertainment they want to consume and part of what goes into that choice is the effort it takes them to consume right technology makes it a heck of a lot easier to look at stuff on your phone or stream something through your iPad etc um comfort of sitting in your couch versus on, you know, the metal, the metal risers at, at Ryan field. Um, and then there's a cost element. And I think that's, that's the biggest problem I have with his comments. And we had, we had some friends that, that really outlined how 
drastically um, prices have gone up specifically for, for families. Um, back in the day, in the early aughts, you could you could buy a family package, which was basically the, the cost of two regular season tickets, and then they basically threw in three kid seats for virtually nothing. Um, that's not possible anymore. If I want to take my six-month-old to the game, I need a full-price ticket for said six-month-old. full-price? They don't have, like, the... Oh, maybe they, still maybe have, they do they still, still have, like, the infant, like, the under one or the under two tickets? tickets, so it's, like, ten bucks. But still, that that's ten bucks. Yeah. All right, that's so that's my own version of get off my lawn. Uh, I misspoke there, <laughs> but point being, like there's there's a lot of very legitimate factors um, at play as to why people don't t- don't attend uh, as many college football games, and and some of it is choice, it, 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 and not just choice to go or not to go, or to watch on TV or not watch on TV, but there's a million other things. Technology has has opened up, you know, the ability to follow cricket very very closely, rugby, soccer, like. There Wait, are, Scott, a Scott, are, you, more... are you saying people aren't going to football games because they're at home watching cricket? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying people have the ability to uh, geek out on a lot more things. Um, monoculture is 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 gone, right? Game of Thrones was the last piece of monoculture that existed. <laughs> it is no more. Uh, so, you know, at, at the end of the day, the other interesting thing about this, and this is where I where I kind of initiated some conversations that. This is not a well. This is a problem for Northwestern, but relative to other schools and the rest of college football, Northwestern's home attendance is up dramatically from ten to fifteen years ago versus the slow drop offs you're seeing elsewhere. So, you know, yeah, no, no one else had the kind of room for improvement that we had, and thus, <laughs> no one else has been able to match the gains that we have produced. Um, it's you know. To veer things before we we get too existential and 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 you know it is Fitz's fault for leading us here, but um, the larger point and it's going to take us to I think where we want to spend a, a bunch of this pod, particularly Sammy and I, and not you know and I know Scuzz, you're as excited to hear as anybody, but um, these comments that Fitz made, which did garner last national attention. We're part of a real banner week for Fitz. I mean, Fitz was throwing a hundred this week, as he <laughs> off as he often does, and that continued right through media days and uh, and right up uh, into Friday, where uh, where Sam and I suddenly found ourselves uh, with with really good seats to the to the spectacle. Yeah, and and before we talk about that, I, I just kind of want to you know say one one more thing about you know this this attendance thing, and it's like and it's because like what you were talking about is you know, with the choice, but it's also, you know, going to a game is, it's an all day affair, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at travel time to the stadium. Even if you live in the area, you're looking at at least an hour or two to get there and back. Um, you're talking about tailgating or whatever, like all, all the stuff leading up to the game, a couple hours there. The three and a half to four hours of game time. I mean, you're you're looking at eight to ten hours uh, to go to a football game, which is is you know the experience is amazing and like going to games is a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I I I love doing it. However, you know, can you know, you really expect to spend eight to ten hours for seven home games where you can spend Three hours, three and a half hours on your couch. The the food is cheaper. The beer is cheaper. 
the TVs are better. Um, it's like, you know, back in the day when you were watching on like standard death, sure, you, you know, it wasn't as much fun to watch. But now with like 4K, 8K TVs, I mean, the, the experience of watching from your couch is just so much better. Here's the th- here's the thing though, right? When the horseshoe stops selling out games, let me know. When when Michigan stops selling out games, uh, let Michigan me know. stopped selling out games four years ago. I guess, but I mean, they're still breaking a hundred thousand at games, and you know, I mean, they have they have their own problem. But my point is, like all of these schools and Bama, LSU, all these teams are selling out, and a school like Northwestern that's not selling out, well we have problems selling out that well predate any of these issues, right? And it's like, and yet, to your points, guys, like, we have made gains. Um, I think it's just, it's a convenient target. I think the bottom line is, is like, I'm I'm not going to be getting in line to follow any of Fitz's advice relative to technology and millennials. <laughs> nope. I certainly want to hear him give his thoughts, though. Just be... <laughs> Look, Fitz, just because I'm not going to heed your advice does not mean I don't want to hear it. Please continue to continue to just give us this. One, 100%, 100% agree. And in that vein, let me share this. So Ian McCafferty, who used to be part of the Inside NU crew, uh, tweeted this earlier today. He says, my lukewarm Pat Fitzgerald phone take is that he hams this stuff up because he knows it'll play in the media and get the program attention. Like, yes, 100%. People are talking about Northwestern. Then he goes on to say, my scorching, absolutely scalding take is this was all an elaborate veiled shot at Urban Meyer. <laughs> well, if, if, if that's true, Fitz is much more adept at taking Urban Meyer shots than other current Big Ten coaches. Let's put it that way. He's, he was able to do it uh, much, much more delicately. Although He called him a communist last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, to be, to be fair, though, um, Harbaugh really – his comments were uh, his Urban Meyer comments this year weren't so inflammatory, except that it was Jim Harbaugh who said them, and that's Jim Harbaugh's fault for being Jim Harbaugh. I don't have any like sympathy for that. Uh, if if you're to the point where everyone already hates you, uh, there, you there's no real coming back from that. But but anyway, um, on on we go. I yeah. Guess. So so let's talk about uh, at, about Media Day. Um, you know. John, you and I were at the uh, the luncheon. Um, thank you again for uh, inviting me, and uh, it was really, really yeah, cool so, to so, be so in attendance. Yeah, so quick backstory. Yeah, quick backstory. Um, uh, Tim, uh, friend of the pod. Um, this is someone who I know through work, a really nice gentleman, um, had two tickets to the Big Ten luncheon uh, and – was not able to use them and incredibly gener- uh, generously gifted them to us. And thus, Sam and I, on short notice, were able to go. So first of all, big thank you to Tim. Um, that was incredibly, incredibly generous. Um, uh, and Mary Jo, also, uh, thank you. And uh, so anyway, Sam and I suddenly found ourselves, uh, yeah, Friday at the Big Ten Luncheon. Yeah, really, I mean, like... It was bigger than I expected. Like, I, I didn't know what to expect, but, I mean, there were, what, 200 tables of of eight there, at least? Yeah, I would say. It, it's quite an event. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, 
again, it's it's easy to sit here and say, oh, if you've got a chance to go, like you've got to go. The tickets aren't cheap. They're the tickets are expensive. Um, even buying for a whole table, you don't save any money, and that's very expensive. Um, but yeah, it is. It sells out every year. Tickets go fast, and it is quite the event. It's a massive room. They do it at Hilton Chicago right now. Um, so, like you said, Sam, yeah, you probably got two hundred plus tables, ten people to a table, and then you've got, you know, in the whole lead up to it, and because it comes out of media day, in addition to all the people who've actually paid for tables, you've got media everywhere, um, walking around in the, you know, representing all the teams, but then just there to cover the event. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a packed house. And I, I, I guess I didn't really know that, like, while the press conferences are going on, like the stuff that we see, there's a whole little expo room where each each school has a, their own table and they're giving away swag, and I guess they have like autographs and. And, and stuff is, like, is that where Adrian Martinez was showing off his accuracy? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare step on that Nebraska pod, Scott. Sorry, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but it was, I mean, the, the whole it's all like a whole expo, and it's it's really cool. And it's like you, you go in there and you get fired up. And I, I believe uh, Kirk Ferentz had had a great line. You know, you know, in in the luncheon they kind of brought a bunch of coaches down. They interviewed every coach. Uh, Reese Davis was the uh, MC, and they ha- they brought like three or four coaches to the the po- uh, kind of the, the dais at a time. And I, I think Ference, it was Ference, right, who said, "Yeah, after wa- like they played a hype video for everyone." I, I believe Ference was like, "Yeah, after watching this, I don't know how we're going to win a game." Just you know, they 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 play the highlights for everyone. Rutgers was maybe twenty seconds. Um, <laughs> we we. We actually had to go before, like, as Lovey Smith was being uh, introduced. So, you know, we, we had to take off. So we weren't even able to see um, what what Illinois was talking about. And I guess, you know, they had to kind of poke Lovey with a stick to wake him up. He was, you know, off the end of the table up on the podium or up on the the platform where all the coaches were sitting. To be fair... To be fair, he'd been delivering presents to children for, within his sleigh all night, Sam. He was he was very tired. Uh, no, I mean, it's I, I make jokes, but it's funny because in, in a way, the thing, um, with one really notable major exception, which we will talk about later, the whole thing plays kind of like a, a comedy event. Um, you've got Reese Davis was the MC just Reese was trying out material. He, he was, he was, he was working hard. He was really trying to, he was, he, he was, he was really working hard. I'm not going to say that, uh, that he was absolutely, I'm not saying he, I'm not going to say he was Patton Oswald up on the dais. Let's put it that way. But, uh, not for lack of effort by old Reese. Um, and you've got, um, you know, Chris Ash, uh, from Rutgers showed up with just, I mean, really, his material was the best, like, when he talked about how Rutgers' progress was not going to be measured in wins and losses this year. I mean, that's just gold. You can't, you really can't do better than that. Um, But circling back to where we were earlier, uh, Fitz probably got about the biggest laugh of the evening, or of the the afternoon, should I say, luncheon, um, because the video, so... Before each of the coaches come up, and the coaches come up in groups, um, 
of three or of four, and Fitz was part of the third group. I think he came up with Ryan Day and... It was Day, um, it was... Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember who else what, it was came it, up. Was um, it Frost? Was he up there with Frost? It might... No. Maybe it was Frost. No, they were... No, it wasn't Frost. They were... Frost and Fitz were sitting next oh, to it, each it other. Oh, it was Day, but in any it case, was uh, PJ. Oh, that's right. PJ Fleck PJ was Fleck, the third. Uh, Ryan Day, so, Fitz, and... I think it was just a group of three. Maybe I'm no, wrong. there. I believe there were four. I think it was three from the West. I just I don't remember. Who. Yeah. Anyway, and in any case, so in any case, when all the coaches come up, um, they they come up in little mini groups like that and sit in front, and then Reese kind of throws questions at them, and by bringing them up in groups, that's kind of how they control the event for time, right? So, but for each group of coaches who come up, they run a short highlight tape uh, with a voiceover for each team, and. The Northwestern highlight tape, preview tape, identified Hunter Johnson as Northwestern's starting quarterback. Guess how that went over dun, with dun, dun. <laughs> As soon as the video said it, I went, oh, goodness. Reese asks Fitz a question. I don't even remember what it was. And Fitz just immediately goes, well, I'd like to thank ESPN for deciding who our starting quarterback's going to be. That was great. It was, and it slayed. It slayed the room. Um, <laughs> and Fitz was, and it was funny. Uh, we, they asked, um, because he was up there with Day, I think Reese saw a common theme between the two in that we both have five star quarterbacks coming in uh, transfers Justin Fields at Ohio State, of course, Hunter at Northwestern. Um, and use that to pose a kind of twofer question to both coaches about, oh, your big quarterback coming in, and, uh, you know, how is he going to, you know, how you feel about this new quarterback? What kind of qualities does he bring? And especially given the fact that ESPN had already anointed Hunter our starting quarterback, uh, I said to Sam and to, to one other notable person sitting at our table um, that. Uh, I said, watch Fitz make this about TJ Green. And sure enough, TJ Green's name <laughs> quickly within came up. Within 30 seconds, it was amazing. Was, yeah, within within 30 seconds, Fitz found the way to pivot to TJ Green. But that's Fitz. That's why we know him and we love him. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you mentioned that other notable presence at our table. Um, it was I, I, gr- good fortune, honestly, that we were actually sitting with uh, Patrick Ward's parents. Um, you know, yeah. former Northwestern offensive lineman. Um, it was really, really cool to to chat with them and uh, some of their friends. It was, you know, really, really neat. It was, and you know, to answer anyone's question about how seating goes at a thing like this, I mean, it it's all random, luck of the draw. Um, I think you know, a lot of times when people buy entire tables, they buy entire tables with the idea of bringing 10 of their like I mean there was certainly an Ohio State table several. there was certainly a Michigan yeah several um and our table was more Iowa fans than every anything which wasn't really by design but we were sitting across the table with someone who said yeah well one of my sons played football at Northwestern and then two of my sons played football uh at Iowa and I said well that sounds like Patrick Ward and Ryan Ward and it was it was Patrick Ward's uh, mother and father which was fantastic. It was excellent to be able to talk to them. It was really cool to, to find out, and I think we knew a little bit about it. But uh, what Patrick Ward is doing, um, he subs, you know, prior to North, and of course Patrick Ward was a phenomenal student. 
um, had like unbelievable test scores and grades coming into Northwestern, in addition to being, you know, really in the pre-Kurt Anderson era about our biggest offensive line recruit ever. Um, um, well, I guess Chris Hinton would be the exception, but the, and then after graduating from Northwestern with an engineering degree, got a graduate degree at, um, Purdue. And I believe I have, I hope I'm not screwing this up. I believe they said he worked at Boeing Boeing for a little bit. Yeah. And now he's making a pivot. I think, um, was it to law school? Um, I, I I missed that part of the conversation. So. yeah, I hope it's like it, but I mean, it's just an absolute illustrious, you know, academic career for Patrick Ward as we knew it would be. Um, he's a guy who's out there conquering the world and, you know, just a shining example for everything that the Northwestern University, of course, is supposed to offer student athletes. And yes, not everyone has the brain to go with the brawn to the extent that Patrick Ward did. I mean, Patrick Ward was, you know, superhuman in terms of what he is on the field and what he is off the field, and not everyone can measure up to that. But still, it is the shining example of what we offer that we feel is special in terms of of the Northwestern experience for student-athletes and what student-athletes are accomplishing after school. So, of course, given all of this, it was just so exciting to be able to sit with his parents and then talk about the the uh you know talk about where their you know what their kids have done what their kids did after school and then just to to be able to watch the whole thing with them and know that we had a a big friend of Northwestern sitting at the table with us it was just great I think one one of my other favorite things um was watching the interaction of the coaches who were sitting up on the on the platform <laughs> or or lack thereof <laughs> exactly um just I, I I'll just can I just jump in? Yeah. You guys sent me a grainy photo of that, and I think John, you you your caption was, um, "I can feel the icy, the icy relationship from here" or something. It took me quite a while, like squinting at it, especially because of the angle. It was hard to figure out who who lined up with who in terms of helmet wise. Um, but I finally figured it out that it was the two Michigan coaches. Yeah, so alphabet like they. They had all the coaches lined up alphabetically, I believe, right? I mean, I that that had I, that has to be what it was because uh, you had Harbaugh sitting next to D'Antonio sitting next to Ryan Day, and like they had uh, Lorenzo Neal, former Michigan State running back, uh, who was elected to the College Football Hall of Fame uh, this year. Lorenzo White, I'm sorry, yeah, Lorenzo, Lorenzo White. White. Um, you know, he he. Got a little bit of time with Reese and, you know, D'Antonio's watching and Harbaugh is just like looking the other way. You can just, he's just turned away and there's just ice between them. It was amazing. And, you know, it was fantastic. See, the, seeing the other coaches interacting with each other and sort of re- replying and responding visually and just nothing. Are there any two Big Big Ten coaches, including all those that have retired in the last 15 years, that you would think would be worse at small talk than Harbaugh and D'Antonio? I mean, like, short of putting Shem Beckler and Woody Hayes next to each other on the dais, the just the... Or, I mean, if Meyer was still coaching. But, I mean, having Ryan Day taking Meyer's place and having Harbaugh... I mean, I know alphabetically... But but Meyer's, Meyer's like... 
he'd have been chatting people up, you know, rubbing elbows, like breaking the ice, you know. Oh, he's, right. He's smoogey, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, Carbon, yeah. No, Dan, like, D'Antonio no. doesn't give a shit. Oh, D'Antonio would have been like, I can't talk to you. You're distracting from my hate of the man sitting to my right. <laughs> that was ba- that was basically what he projected. It, much more, um, and, and again, these are the kind of things that, again, Sam and I were sitting there, and, and some of this stuff is interesting. Um, much more congenial were Scott Frost and Pat Fitzgerald, who were also sitting together. And, of course, that makes sense. Um, I, I don't think they ever played each other. They, they never they played certainly... each other, but, I mean, they were both playing roughly the same time. Right. They played at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised if they crossed paths on the awards circuit way back when. Um, and they're the, about the same age, and they clearly were getting on it. And, really, it must be said, the time he was chatting with Fitz was by far the most comfortable Scott Frost looked at any point during the afternoon. That is a guy, I I mean, I guess you step back and you're like, you know, yes, he had so much success at UCF, but he has not been a head coach for very long, and he carries himself like it. You're looking at a guy who's trying to figure out what to do with his hands all the time, looking down at the floor all the time, um, even when he's like being posed questions, and you're like, Man, oh man, you, you maybe Fitz needs to sit you down a little bit and show you how this dance works. But it's funny just because he's he is viewed as such a savior coming in, and and um, you don't get that comfort. I mean, he's just because he's young and runs a dynamic offense. Do not think that he is PJ Fleck up there because that is not how he carries himself. They're about as opposite as as two could be. Yeah, I mean Fleck just thrives in that that's that whole situation. Um, you know, you could tell he was just eating, eating it up and, you know, he, that, that's his element. Frost just looked so uncomfortable. Um, eating difficult conversations for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's, and it, you know, this is a, as good of a, of a time to bring it up as any two. Um, it's funny, Sam and I were both as, because we both have children, we're both kind of had hard outs of when we had to leave this yeah. thing, and that's why we didn't stay to the end. Parking was, I mean, parking was kind of running to the end. Uh, babysitters, yeah. you know, and right? Whatnot. And uh, and I mean, and a, and a, we'd love to lie to you and say that we saw Lovey was coming up and we decided to leave. It just happened to work out that way, so we were happy about that. But the truth is, we were we stayed as really as long as we could, and we were about to leave. And um, Patrick Ward's father pointed to us and he basically saw that we were both about to get up and he both he said you know you ought to sit down because you're you know he basically implied you're gonna miss something really great if if you leave right now and we took his word for it and we sat down and he was absolutely right yeah because the, the, the student address um which you know is always really interesting it's always you know interesting to see who is uh brought up you know who which student is is going to be there uh, giving the kind of the students address. I remember John Urschel, uh, from Penn State, he gave it a few years back and just, you know, where he came from and like what he brought to it. And then Kirk Cousins, I believe the next year, uh, did it. Um, this year it was Casey O'Brien, a name that you've never heard because he's like a walk on holder for Minnesota. And, you know, it, it's like, well, why is this? walk on holder here giving the, the student address and you know very very quickly it became very clear why um this is a kid who has beaten cancer four times 
and he's a sophomore in college. It is. It was incredible. And he's it's he's diagnosed with the same type of cancer, osteosarcoma, that Tyler Trent, the famous Purdue fan from last season, had. Um, and this is obvious. I mean, it's he's beaten it four times, but you're talking about since he was 13, and I think he's 19 now, the last six years of his life, he's fought and, and beaten cancer four times. And it has been really hard for him. And, I mean, he, he took us through, you know, everything that he's had to go through and all the time that he spent in the hospital. And it was, it was absolutely inspiring. And it really was. And I mean, again, it's stuff, lip services paid to things like this relative to football all the time. Um, but Sam and I were there and we're here to tell, I mean, it was powerful stuff. It really was. And, and truth be told, it spoke well of PJ Fleck too. Um, because he's, he has really gone out of his way to, to put this kid on the team, make him part of the team. And this was a Casey O'Brien was a kid who played high school football. Yeah, he, but of course he was a quarterback. Career. He he was a quarterback in high school, and it was while playing quarterback, his his he was having this pain in his knee that wasn't going away, and that's how he was first diagnosed with uh, osteosarcoma. That that's how they they found it. And he said he was talking about it in his in the speech like. If he hadn't been playing football, they probably wouldn't have identified it in time. Right. And I mean, so, and he had a full knee replacement. And since then, you know, and that was really the beginning of his road. But again, he's cancer free. He's been cancer free, I think he said, for a, a year, year now. now. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, it really was. I mean, it, it's one of those things that really put, it puts things in perspective. And again, you know, you, there's there's a there's an easy way to fall into cliches when you hear stories like this, but it it really was a powerful thing, and it really was an impressive thing. And he's a member of the team. He's a he's a holder. He's a holder on the team, and and I'm sure at some point you are going to see him um, hold in a game, whether he's their full time holder or not. So it was just a really cool moment. And and again, Sam and I almost missed it but we didn't and it was it was an awesome thing to, to to have be the last thing we saw at the event yeah um absolutely amazing um you know that definitely was the, i mean that and hearing fits you know shooting from the hip uh definitely both the highlights um i i loved um when fits was talking about kurt anderson and trying to name a bunch of wwe Guys, because that's the kind of the attitude that Anderson brings compared to um, who was there before. But um, you know, speaking of, of coaching and speaking of uh, you know former Northwestern players coming back, uh, I, I guess we weren't really speaking of that. But a former Northwestern player is now coming back to be a part of the uh, coaching staff, um, and that's Bryant McIntosh. Uh, coming back to campus, uh, he's, I believe, the assistant director of um, operation basketball operations, which I guess I, I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I, I'm guessing it's another fancy name for not quite assistant coach, but not grad assistant. You know, just someone is part of the uh, part of the team. I'm sure is you know working in practices, and I mean, just to get BMAC back on campus is huge. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, he was obviously a huge part of the best year that Northwestern basketball's ever had. Um, winning a game in the NCAA tournament, he was the 
the face of the program in many, many ways as the point guard. Um, one of the first commits to, to commit to the coach Collins era and, uh, a really known well, a really well-known face, and, and a fantastic point guard, a guy that was uh, that was always really well heralded when he participated in uh, bigger camps, and I, like what, what was it like the Chris Paul point guard um, school? Steph Curry. Maybe it was Steph the, Curry. There was the Steph Curry. That's right, like the Steph Curry point guard school. Like this guy has a ton to teach those around him. Um, the you know the the quiet negative subtext for BMAC himself is that this means his professional career playing is over. And I, I saw somebody ask him about that on social media and, or, or maybe it was in an article and he talked about, yeah, just the wear and tear, you know, um, I'm, I'm done for sure. But uh, he's obviously excited to be back at NU and this is presumably good for, for the NU coaching staff. You know, we've, we, Tavares Hardy was a former player uh, who did did very well um, coaching Northwestern and has, has now established his is establishing his own program at Loyola Maryland. Um, Pat Baldwin, another you know former Northwestern player from from you know obviously longer ago, but um, who who was wonderful with the Cats, developing Derek Pardon and others, um, and has, has established himself at uh, UW Milwaukee. So. This is, you know, this has been good in the past for former NU players that want to get into coaching, and uh, I hope that it is fruitful and uh, and, a, and a mutually beneficial um, relationship for for BMAC and Northwestern basketball going forward. I absolutely agree. Um, I hate to to pour a little bit of cold water, which is just the fact that it's a strange situation that doesn't come up very often because. As you said, while the door has closed on McIntosh's professional basketball career, he is still absolutely in his prime as a basketball player and is by far the best guard who is around the Northwestern program right now. (laughs) And to see him on the bench or adjacent to the bench during games this coming season is going to be a weird thing just because again, we haven't talked about it, but I think we just found out that Anthony Gaines just, I think suffered a stress fracture, right? Um, while the team is overseas, which again, we don't know the long-term you know, prognosis of that, but, and you know, we do know how thin we are at guard right now. And it's just going to be one of those reminders. That's really strange where there's going to be a guy in practices, potentially helping practice who is, who is absolutely in his prime and is one of the best, you know, three or four Northwestern guards that we've ever had and, and is and and is at that level right now. So it's strange, but but on the other hand, to be able to have that kind of talent to lean on in practice is of course is is a huge asset. So um here's hoping that uh, having BMAC around hastens the amount of time until we get another BMAC level guy uh, at Northwestern, hopefully. Uh, just just reading from the press release, um, his job description as assistant director of operations, um, he's basically you know working with the with the film, um, coordinating film exchange with other schools, helping uh, coordinate film and practice, uh, helping with travel arrangements, um, doing like recruiting and, and stuff. So it's it's the bottom tier of, of coaching, but that's you know for someone his age, that that's the first step, and you go from there, and you you start working your way up. So, um, you know, Collins has always said he thought that McIntosh would be a great coach, 
And this is the, the first step in that process. Uh, so yeah, so let's go ahead and leave it there for uh, tonight. Um, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And you can always email the show at westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially in the fourth. John LaCombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.